when you're ready and we'll read through Luke chapter 10 and we'll be starting in verse 38. So Luke chapter 10 verse 38. And so now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and said or, and she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve or to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how much you love us and you desire us, and you desire our hearts, and you desire to have a relationship with us, God. We pray you just open your word to us this morning, God. Meet us here. God, help us to just lay aside all the distractions of the things going on and just sit at your feet this morning and hear from you. Amen. You may be seated. When we um, go through, it's kind of interesting, as, as preparing to teach and, and going through verse by verse, it's um, uh, pretty easy not to get, um, I guess, uh, throwing a loop or something, you know, because you're going through, so you kind of know what text you're going to. But um, honestly, I was looking at including this last week, and then time kind of ran out. And, and then I was thinking this week, on to 11 more than spending much time in this portion of Scripture. But as I'm studying and God revealing things, you realize the importance of it. The, the, the gravity of what's here. You have Jesus, he's going down to Jerusalem, his, his final trip that direction. Um, he sends out the 70, they go out into the villages beforehand to prepare a way. You have one village, you know, rejects him in Samaria, he wants to, you know, the, the James and John want to wipe him out and all that, and, and they go down, and so you have them return. You have the lawgiver come right before this and, and kind of challenge the lawyer, challenge Jesus on his... Um, you know, on, on the scripture and what, what he says. And Jesus lovingly redirects him and kind of reveals his heart and his heart far as um, his, his own heart and it, the way it relates to uh, caring for others and, and being caring and, and looking for others and in the story of the Samaritan. And now we come to this section, and it's kind of this little couple verses between where he moves on and starts talking about prayer. And, and very much as I, I look at it, I see how much it now ties into prayer. But, you know, as we're sitting here and looking and, and literally slowing down and just seeing, why did the Holy Spirit leave this, this little explanation? How many, uh, you know, things happened and were recorded or not recorded in the life of Jesus? And here the Holy Spirit records this and gives it for us in the, in the account of Luke here in this order of things. And, and really it is what is needed. What is needed? 
you know, we can sit there and go in your, in your Christian walk, and when you get saved, um, you sit there and go, what, what is needed? What is needed to walk in this Christian life, to, to have this life and this full life as a believer? What is, what is needed, you know, for the community, for how I serve others and to affect, you know, this country and, and those around and, and the elements and, and what is needed is really um, heavy. You know, what's our purpose? What's, what's the point? How do I survive this? What are, what are the basic tools? And, and we can get distracted as we go through the story I don't know many people that come up and go, yeah, I'm a Mary. We usually relate to Martha. I mean, and, and if you were a Mary, I don't know if you would come up and say, oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I heard that teaching pastor. I'm definitely a Mary. So, you know, thanks for the encouragement for everybody else. No, we all kind of relate to a Mary and it's very, or a Martha. It's very true in that sense. So Jesus is heading down to Jerusalem. He sent out the 70. We don't know if they had stopped by beforehand. If the, you know, the 70, the, the pairs of two with one group came to the town, stayed at, at Mary and Martha's house with the brother, their brother Lazarus, which, which we'll meet later in a, in a sense. And as God raises them, we don't, we don't you know, know if this was a planned stop or he was just in town and they invited him over, Right. And so that first verse, it says, Now it happened when he was entering a certain village on a, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Right? Now, I don't know about you guys, um, gentlemen or men or husbands, if you've ever uh, ended up in a situation and you just felt, you know, I'm going to invite these people over and you invite them over before you tell your wife, that's always bad. She's, you're at her stress level goes through the roof, getting ready, like, you know. So in this case, at least it's Martha's own fault, right? That she's got somebody coming if she was planning it or not, you know. The first thing is, oh, you invited somebody. Let's get home and clean up the house real quick and, you know, make it presentable, which, which is a good thing. I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know if, if you invite me to dinner, I'll appreciate it. You know, but, but you sit there... <laughs> And you look at this, and so she invites him, and the getting ready and the process for that as he comes. And it's interesting how we, we all have that tendency. You know, it, something surprises on us, and the level comes up, and we want to put that good foot forward, but very much we can end up with the same heart of Martha in the same direction and things as we sit and we go through this. And in verse 39, we have this comparison. It says, and she, or, and, yeah, and she had a sister called Mary, also, who also sat at, sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So her sister's there, sitting at his feet, listening to his word. So now they've come in. The preparation of whatever happened for them to come in has happened. I'm sure there's still things have to get done. Food has to get done. And Mary chooses going here. This is Jesus. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not too worried about the other things. I'm going to sit at his feet. And, and most of us go, well, we understand. Other things have to get done. Right? You can't, you know, somebody's got to cook dinner. I mean, you know, you, you can go there. And I mean, I, I, I kind of, most of the time when you first read this account, you kind of feel bad for Martha and go, come on, there, where's the practicality of this, right? You don't want to be, you ever hear the, the term, you know, you don't want to be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. I mean, right? And it's like, well, is that true? Is that even possible? 
as we look at it. And so she's sitting there. She's sitting at his feet, and she's hearing his words. She's attentively listening. She isn't just, well, I'm going to go hang out over here. You know, I, I, when you have kids, you, you, you see this principle many times, right? You ask them to do something, and one of the children will suddenly have a greater task that needs to get done than what they're supposed to do. Go take out the trash. Well, I have homework I didn't get done. Well, that's not what you're doing right now. You're doing homework. You're playing on a video game. I'm not interrupting your homework. You know, they, they come up with things. And she wasn't just coming up with something to go, I'm going to go hide in the corner so I don't get caught not doing something. She is intently going to listen. She wants to be with Jesus here. And so she's sitting there, and in verse 40 it says, But Martha was distracted by much, with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to hurt me, help me. Now, distracted by much serving. And, and this, this has a term of more than needed much serving. So it's not that the basic things had to get taken care of. This is now going beyond. This is, you know, making sure everything's perfect, right? You, you can't, it's just not good enough or the needs haven't just been met, but it has to be perfect, you know, and, and, and you can look at that, and, you know, you can go distracted by what? Because, you know, we're, we, I don't know about you guys, we're never distracted. We're a very focused, you know, nation. We're never distracted by things. We're all about, no, we're distracted by all kinds of things. If you think about your average week, what, what distracts you? And, and some of those things that distract you, when, when you're distracted, cause no um, benefit, especially if, if they're stressful. I mean, right? You look at how many people are on medication that's given because of, you know, stress. And oh, I'm stressed and I'm depressed because they're so focused on what they feel is important. One of the biggest shocks to me when you go to a, another world or another country, in a sense, a third world country, and you look at all the things they don't have, you realize how many things you don't need. Right? All these things you're worried about constantly and taking care of, you know, and, and we love to seem to add more stress upon ourselves. Well, I have to get that. Do you know what that's going to do? Well, now I get it. Now I got to take care of it. Now I got to maintain it. Now I got to repair it. You know, I was talking to my neighbor. Um, Ran into him at Lowe's, and um, uh, a Pakistani fellow, and her kids are real close, known him for years, and um, we're talking, and he comes out, and he's loading two-by-fours in the back of a little Toyota car, and I went, like, what happened to your truck, bro? You had the little truck. You've had it for years. What happened? He goes, I sold it. I said, well, why? He goes, well, I didn't, I didn't want it anymore. I said, okay. He goes, well, not that I didn't need it. I just didn't want it because all my friends kept borrowing my truck and it had come back with no gas in it repeatedly. So I'm paying for everybody's gas. I figured it would be cheaper if I sold the truck and just borrowed their truck but put gas in it because I'm paying for everybody else's gas. You know, <laughs> it's funny. I was like, you know, you see this thing. I don't need it. It's costing me more actually getting rid of it. It's simpler. I mean, Okay, it was, you know, at first it didn't seem like sound logic, but yeah, it made all kinds of sense then, right? You know, if you have a truck, you're going to help people move, or at least be asked for it, you know, help people to move. It can be a whole ministry, no. But you look at those things and, and the service and what is needed, and she's sitting at his feet and she's distracted with much serving. Much serving. 
And she's even come to the point of being angry, upset with her sister. There, she's not, you know, and 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 not even just upset with her sister. Going now, making a judgment call on what Jesus is thinking. You don't care. Why don't you care, Lord? Why don't you care? She is so distracted by her serving and her service to who? To the Lord. She invited to her house. That now she's saying, "You don't care, Lord." How do you get from one to the other, right? Like, how, Lord, I'm doing all this and you don't care. And totally missing the heart of God. Where's he going? He's going to the cross. And you don't care? He's going to... He's going to go sacrifice his life and you don't care? If you knew what was coming, you might be sitting at his feet too. Do you think Jesus is concerned at all with, you know, the condition of the house or how clean it is or anything? None of those things. It's a definite blessing to have those things, but not to miss his heart, not to get so busy serving and even trying to serve the Lord where you're missing his heart and distracted. She comes to him upset, tell me, tell her to help me, you know, come on, get, fix this, you know, this injustice. And, you know, it, it's amazing how many times you can start to serve God and go, well, God, shouldn't I have it easier here or easier there? And you go, well, what, what's his heart? What did you get involved with? Did you get involved in sacrificing serving or did you start serving the Lord because you wanted, you know, if I serve the Lord, obviously he's going to bless me with a huge house and all these distractions I need. <laughs> totally opposite. You know, you can sit there and go, but God, don't you care? And that's, that's a sign of where our heart is when we're serving. It, it's, um, you know, it, it happens with us. I mean, Thanksgiving's coming to your house. What's Thanksgiving about? being thankful for what you got and now you got to get everything you have in perfect order because all the family's coming at your house you know when thanksgiving is at your house you got to get everything in order everything's got to be kicked right everything's got to be perfect you know Heidi's joked around she goes when I want to get something taken care of at the house she's going to invite her family up because that way I usually improve something on the house like that room we've been living with it looks horrible well, you gotta maybe we should get the floor done or this or that you know in preparation, and, and you never get enough done. Do you ever, like, finally get your, oh, the house is totally perfect? No. And if you did get it totally perfect, one of your nephews or nieces you love very much mess it up in two seconds, right? Like, ah! And then you're having a heart attack being so loving on them, telling them how they're messing your perfect house or whatever, you know? It, it's kind of funny. I mean, um, there was a family member, we'll keep nameless, who, you know, got rid of the carpet in her house because it can stain. So she got hardwood floors so it would be better with the grandkids and stuff, right? Like, you know, that's going to be better. Then she was so worried about scratching the floor. It was like, why do you have a floor? I mean, nobody can walk on it. I mean, it's like, it's got to be perfect. Well, what's the purpose of it? You can't walk on it. I mean, and, and we do stuff like this. So we set ourselves up. And I mean, I got to be careful with the Thanksgiving one because I'm not usually the one doing the prep. I'm usually the one sitting there, just chill out, just enjoy if it would be my mother, my sister, my wife, you know, <laughs> they get that. Ah, sit down and enjoy the family. Have things, you know, the giving and, you know, enjoy the family. You run around so focused on getting everything done that you miss the family you rarely see or get together for. And I, and I know it's hard. It's we want to make sure things are perfect and stuff. But, you know, same thing is kind of going on here. Mary's going around and she's, she's missed Jesus. She's missed his heart. And, and there's no joy in her serving at this point. She's bitter. She's loaded down. You know, and, and you can see it. It happens in the church. You see people, and, and you love them, and, and 
and all, and you know, you love me and all, so, but I've done this. You get so busy in a ministry, and why isn't anybody helping? I mean, I'm doing this, Lord, and, and you're bitter, and you're loaded down, and it's a burden, and there's no joy in it, and then you go, wait a minute, what am I doing? What? That's not why I started in this. This isn't why I took on this thing. That's not why I'm serving the Lord. It's now become a burden, you know. Um, there's been people in the church growing up. It's like, man, why are you still doing this ministry? You obviously hate it. You've been doing it for years, and you obviously hate it. And then, and they're there serving or whatever in children's ministry, and they show up and they're faithful for years serving in children's ministry. But when something's wrong, they're mad at everybody. They're, eh, you know, all this. And then you don't see them ever at church again. They don't go to a midweek. They don't go nothing. It's all, you know, and they're miserable. And it's like, that's not what God's called us to. That's not what God's called us to. In your life, besides ministry, in your life, if there is no joy, and you're struggling, why? You're not spending time, we're not sitting at the feet of Jesus. This, this Christian life is full of joy. Sacrifice, hardships, but joy in those things, right? The joy of the Lord will be our strength, not our own strength, his joy. And we can have joy when he's called us to do these things. And many times when I find out or I get in a situation and I don't have joy and it becomes a weight and a burden, it's because I've stepped out of what God's number one called me to, or I'm just not spending time with him. You know, I, I am, I'm kind of always in an interesting position in a sense because, you know, I'm a pastor, but then I'm also a boss to a lot of the guys that I'm a pastor with. And then at the same time, some of them have been in my home. So, you know, I'm like a mentor, father, pastor, and boss. How do you separate those, Right. And then when I'm on a job and something's going wrong and I'm getting worried and stressed out and I'm taking these burdens on me, I get short, fused, right? And I, and I don't necessarily cuss. I just start, I just start, I'm a bull in a china shop in a sense, you know? I'm not going to tell you how to do it right. I'll just stand you to the side so you can watch me. How do I, do? I mean, I'm brutal. Uh, honestly, when I think about it, I can, or not, I can be just brutal. I mean, I, I was knowing um, when I was at Armor Roofing, if I didn't correct you, it was a bad thing. It was a bad thing. Because if I'm not teaching you something new or correcting you, if you've made a mistake, that means I'm done with you. You're fired. Why am I going to teach somebody I'm going to get rid of? That was my thought. And so there was one time I was just not feeling well. It wasn't that I was mad. I got out to a job. They used a the wrong kind of felt paper. I tore it up and put in some new, didn't really say anything to him, just took it out, fixed it, and I left. The guys were so scared. They got to the office, they're checking out with their secretary, they thought for sure they all had their last check waiting there. And I, I don't think I've, I can't remember, I don't know if I've ever really fired anybody. Usually they quit. They get sick of me, no. Um, but you know, they, it's just it's kind of interesting, you know, I'll just wear them down until, no. But, you know, you look at those things and we can get that way. We can get short-fused and short-tempered. And if you're living in that way and your life reflects that, there's something off. There's a relationship off. You know, you talk about how do you go about today? How are you going to have peace to make it through today? Well, when you wake up in the morning and you sit with Jesus at his feet, that puts things in perspective. Because what if I do is if I go out and I plan my day based on what I have to get done, and it's not what God's plan for today is. Suddenly I'm burdened, I'm overweight, and then I'm irritable and short and mean and 
I can be just not a good person, not, definitely not with joy. But if I'm seeking God and I'm going to go, okay, God, I'm going to go to work even if I don't, whatever, like my boss or it's a rough job, but I'm going there to serve you. God, show me how to love these people. If I'm going out full of the Holy Spirit where I've spent time with Jesus, where I've got to know his heart, where I can reflect his heart, my whole day changes. I have a joy about it. And it can be a bad day. You know, when me and Heidi were dating, you know, I tricked her good. I really tricked her good. We were going somewhere, and I had an older truck, and the alternator wire hit my header, and it lit it on fire, burnt the wiring out of it. But I was just so happy hanging out with her. My truck's, you know, burn wiring. We pull over. I call my mom, who was not very happy to have to come get us and tow the truck over to somebody's house and fix Man, I had her on my shoulders going over to the call box. I was having a good time still. And Heidi's thinking, man, this guy's truck burns up, and he's having, yeah, obviously I want to marry him. But like I said, I tricked her. But you know what I mean? Why? I was happy to be with who I, it didn't matter. That wasn't my concern. My, you know, I got just, whew, we got two hours of just hanging out because we can't drive anywhere. Okay, cool. You know, I don't even know where we were going or, can't tell you where I was going. Obviously, it wasn't that important in my opinion. So maybe it was dropping her at work or something, which would have been even better, you know. But, um, you know, when you're hanging out and you're in the Word, there's a, there's a difference. There's when you're at His feet listening to Him. You know, verse 41, it says, And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Many things. And this Martha, Martha isn't a, a mean rebuke. It's a correction, but it's not a rebuke. You ever get somebody where they're going 100 miles at something, and you're like, hey, honey. No. Hey, honey. And you've got to kind of repeat, oh, slow down, slow down, calm down. It's kind of the response. Or in my case, you know, Heidi has to do it four or five times. Honey. She's got to raise her voice at me. And, no. But, you know, hey, calm down a minute. Get focused on what's going on, you know. Because you're so focused on what's going on, she's worked up and it's, hey, Martha, Martha, calm down. You're, you're worried about so many things. You're so worried. You're so troubled about, about what? What's important? You know, it's interesting because we can do this in two ways. We can get so worried about not just our own things and our own stresses, but then we can get worried about all kinds of biblical things, right? Where, where it seems right and just, right? Oh, no, they're going to pass a new law about abortion and it's not going to be good and get all worried and frustrated. Instead of sitting at God's feet and praying and going, God, what are we, we going to do? Change the heart of the nations, change things, you know? We can, we can take on a burden that God hasn't put on us. Right? We can, we can, you know, get all burdened. Hey, the, the you know, this, this theology thing, everybody's got to know, and, and this whole group's wrong, and I can't believe that that other church teaches that, and i got to tell them all. And, really? You know, wait, I'm, I'm, now, I'm now like that lawyer. Who's my neighbor? Wait a minute, we've got to get this all figured out in this theology of, you know. I'm on duty. I'm a law enforcement officer. I'm on, on duty for the Lord. We've got to... You know, don't got to protect God's word. They're going to take it out. No, God's good at protecting his word. He wants you to sit at his feet. So we can kind of take it to extremes. In verse 42, it says, but one thing is needed. 
one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. You know, uh, Psalms 27.4 says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in, his house, in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord, and inquire in his temple. David just wanted to just spend time. Man, I can't wait till that day. Jesus wasn't there. His Holy Spirit wasn't there. He wasn't dwelling. Now, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We get to sit in His presence. We don't got to wait for heaven to come. We can sit there each and every morning. We can wake up and have that one thing that's important. Isn't it awesome? When you, could you imagine if, I, if verse 42 read, but there are 25 things in this order you have to... Oh, that would so stink, right? Of course, most of us, you know, we'd pull out our little handy calendar and get these marked down and, you know, go at it on our own strength, you know. But one thing, one thing. Philippians 3.13, brethren, I do not count myself to obtained, but one thing I do, forging or forgetting the things which I are behind Reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Count everything else. One thing. One thing. And we can do that too. We can get so focused on the past or what's going to happen instead of the one thing, which is that relationship with God. The one thing where he is calling us just to obey today. You know, God's grace, again, is for other people in our past. Yesterday, what happened? God's grace. He's covered that. As of right now, this morning, whatever burden or carrying you are carrying or sin or something you've dealt with, where you're sitting here and you're worried about it, you're troubled about it, you don't know how you're going to deal with it, God says, lay that aside, sit at my feet. Lay those things aside, sit at my feet. And he calls us today to obey. Right now, all you got to do today, I just want you to sit at my feet and obey me. I have a plan for today. But what about tomorrow? All these things, there's consequences of my sin. There's, I don't, how am I going to afford this? How am I going to do that? And God calls us in those word to trust in him for tomorrow. There's enough concerns for today. Just focus on me for today and trust me with tomorrow. And so as we, as we go through and we look at this one thing, you know, to sit at Jesus' feet, it implies that we're, gonna accept and obey his teaching she's sitting there she's accepting and obeying his teaching it implies that you're not sitting there in rebellion sitting there willingly not forced you're sitting there in faith in who he is she knows i'm sitting here because he is somebody i believe he is the messiah it implies discipleship. I want to sit at his feet and know what's going on. He's my disciple, and it implies that Jesus is love, and he loves her back, and she loves him. You know, two things kind of happen when, when we're not sitting at Jesus' feet. You look at King David not going out to war. He was sitting idle. Either we end up selfish, and our selfishness usually throws up in idleness and not wanting to do anything, 
And then the other part of our selfishness comes out in busyness trying to do everything in our own strength. Instead of just sitting down and looking for his heart and what he wants and how he desires. We can so miss his heart and what we're doing if we're not sitting at his feet. And end up doing the wrong thing. Doing the wrong thing. It, uh, it, it, it's always a hard thing, not a hard thing, but a, a, a thing to consider. We pray about um, and we look at, and even, even the, the, the GMA, the pastors group here in town and stuff, there's a lot of ministries that start to do things. They started a food bank. They started a ministry to care for people. And over time, the heart is gone, and now it's just a thing to do. And there's no longer the Holy Spirit in there. It's lost the power of the Holy Spirit is what God's have to, God told them to do. Is, is, it's not there. It's just a service. It takes up a lot of energy. And many times it becomes a hindrance from the people getting the help they need because it continues to help them in a wrong way. And, and it's always an interesting conversation because there are three different ministries I, I'm, I'm very aware of and very involved with that have three different totally approaches. And I love it because... Each approach is a biblical, but they each have a different calling. So, you know, the way one's like, hey, we'll help you out off the street. If you come in, we'll, we'll help you then. We'll, we'll, you know, if you're willing to commit, we'll help you. But if you're not willing to commit, you're, you know, we can't help you until you're willing to commit. We'll let you deal with your sin until you're ready. The other one goes, okay, we're going to take you off the street, give you everything you need so you have no reason not to commit. We're going to do the total opposite of that. You know, and then the other ministry is goes, well, even if you don't do nothing, we're going to serve you for years because even one day after 10 years of us loving on you, maybe it'll click. You know, so you're okay. And guess what? They're all spirit filled and God's using them all, you know, and, and so you, you look at that. But the point is they're still sitting at God's feet. These are people that are sitting at God's feet, praying about their ministry, praying about what God's laid in front of them, changed them. You know, and, and men as husbands of your home, God, what do you need? How do you love your wife? How do you love your kids? God, help me sit down every day and go, God, show me how to be spirit-filled and caring for my family, caring for my wife, caring for the people at work and those around me. Mothers with your children, you talk about a ministry that's constantly changing. You know, how do I love them? When do I discipline them? Are they at an age to learn this? All, all those things can, to consider and pray about and lay at God's feet. But there's one thing. There's not one thing for being a parent, one thing for being a minister, one thing for being at work, one thing for... No, there is the one thing. Isn't that awesome? What do you need today? I don't know. You know, how many times when you wake up in the morning do any of you guys even know what hat you're putting on? You know, sometimes I go out and I'm doing a roofing bid and I realize I'm not a roofer anymore here. Now the, I guess, the pastor, minister, brother in Christ, or, you know, whatever the guy that happens to know truth here needs to speak into the situation. They don't need a roof. Well, they might need a roof, but that's not, let the roof leak. This is going to take your life out. You need to hear this truth in a loving way. You know, I don't, God, give me what I need each day and sitting at his feet and being full of his Holy Spirit. We see Mary three times in scripture, the, the Mary of Bethany here, three times in scripture. This is the first time she's sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him, listening to his word. The next time we see him come and she comes and throws herself at Jesus' feet, 
because her brother Lazarus has passed away. And Jesus raises him from the dead. And the last time is days before he passes away. She's at his feet, anointing his feet with oil. She has a spiritual sensitivity. Think about that. She's seeking God. She's spending time with the Lord. Next thing you know, she's right in the middle of here's a great need and God does this awesome miracle and she's there. You know, where was her sister in that story? Was she off preparing for the funeral cooking still? I hope not. Like, hey, we got a funeral to get in order. Where are you going? I'm going to go sit at Jesus' feet. What? Again? I mean, you don't know. But sometimes that's our reaction. I don't, you know, I don't get on Martha for that, be, you know, unfairly, because I do it. You know, I don't like learning the lessons the first time sometimes, you know. But we're to sit at his feet, and then the last time, as, her deci- as his disciples are sitting there arguing about the scriptures, about their place, about who's going to be in authority and all this. And then they look at her, and they're judging her, going, man, why is she wasting this costly oil on his feet? And she's anointing him for the burial. She knows what's coming. Do you see anybody else in scripture that seems to have any clue what's going on? That God, I mean, he's saying it bluntly. We can see it. How many times did he tell him, going to the cross, this is going to happen? Nobody else got it. She got it. Why? Because she was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And again, she's at the feet of Jesus. She's after, she knows his heart because she's with him each and every day. She's in that relationship. And so, in our individual lives, the most important thing, the one thing, is to be at his feet. That means getting up early, getting in the word, opening it up, going, God, how can I serve my family? Show me, speak to me through your word, whatever it is. You know, when we, and I've talked about it again in counseling and, you know, remain with Chuck Smith. You know, you get a couple come in and back and forth and back and forth. She said, hey, go meet with Jesus 15 minutes every morning and pray as a couple. They come back still arguing, well, did you get together and meet with Jesus? No, but this and this and this. And he goes, well, that's a great counselor. I want you to get together with him. And if you ain't going to listen to him, you're not going to listen to me. Simple. Go do the one thing. You have a problem in a relationship with a family member? You have a Mary in your life you think you need prayer for? No. (laughs) Go sit at the feet of Jesus. He might go, Tim, Tim, slow down. What's important here? And so there's where... The desire is, and this is why this is such an important part of Scripture, and I want to slow down and just go through it this morning, is because it is the one thing. You know, and, and, and as a church family here, it's been six months that I've been the senior pastor now. And that's a lot of, there's been a lot of changes in the family here. And, you know, one of the things I, I tried to very much do was not, turn around the next Sunday and change order of service and everything else, and we slowly did things. Um, but, you know, as, as we move forward and you look at things, you, you start to see after, okay, so now things have changed, people have shifted around, people have gone and come and beforehand, and, and now what's, and, and the fears can start to come in, right? The fear of, oh, what are we going to do next? Where are people at? Or, or what's the burden of this? And what are we called to? And, and all those questions come. And even, even um, you know, one thing I, I just love the blessing of, of some of the examples I've had, you know, where God guides, he provides. That simple statement. 
If he's guiding, he's going to provide. Right? What is the one thing needed for this church? It's the one thing. You know, I, I love, there were several brothers, but the, the first one was Micaiah, man. Came up to me and goes, hey, Pat's leaving everything. Whatever you need, I'm here. Just let me know I'm here for you, bro. And I turned around and I said, good. Seek God with all your heart and do what he's telling you to do. Do the one thing. Right? Far as ministry and everybody in here, as we sit here in six months, whatever ministry you're involved in in the fellowship, if, if there isn't a joy and a, and a drive, not to say there isn't sacrifice and, and it may have a rough day, but if there isn't a joy, if that's not what you're called to, if you sit at Jesus' feet and go, man, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not supposed to be doing this, tell me. There's, there's nothing. Name any ministry needed in this church that God will not take care of if it's needed. If God guides, he provides. Right? Okay, went from teaching youth to senior pastor. Now we don't have a youth. Do we need a youth? Well, if visitors come, they don't see all this. People expect child care and all this. You know, if we have the kids in here, they're going to be a distraction. God knows what we need. God knows how many people are OCD and can't handle kids or do or can or whatever grace involved, right? I'm, I'm, I am totally confident that God has provided everything we need for this fellowship. You know, and, it, and he's going to call the people here that are number one hurting that are going to need to be encouraged in what? The one thing. Not encouraged in theology, not encouraged in anything, all these great things, there are many beneficial things, but the one thing is when a brother or sister comes to you and you've been plugged into the one thing, you know what you can tell them? Well, this is what I do. I sit at the feet of Jesus, right? Because I don't know. Many times I don't know. Well, what this and this and how do I do this, this situation? What I want you to do is meet with Jesus because he knows. He knows if you're lying. He knows if you're honest. He can give you the strength. I don't, I don't know what's, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not God. It just isn't the way it is, you know. And I'm never going to be, and, and I can't be that, I can't be God even in my own wife's life. I have a hard enough time hearing him in my own life. And you want me to speak to you into your life what God, no, I want you to get in the scripture. I want you to read. You want to be encouraged? Here's, here's a challenge. If you don't, already going through the scripture, even if you want to add some on, go through Ephesians. Go through chapter 1 to chapter 3 and see how many promises, promises God has in the scripture for us. All the blessings he has laid out for us. You want to see if he cares? Boy, does he care for us. Boy, does he love us. Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 are amazing when you go through and you look at the promises he has for us. You know, when we were in the school ministry, we went over to Calvary Chapel in Petaluma. They were just for the first time into a new building. Young pastor, he was there, he was youth. And the senior pastor comes up to him and goes, Boot, I'm called to Mexico and I'm leaving in a couple months. Ah, right? And so they're just getting finally into a building for the first time. And so what do you do? So they lay out the plans, you know, and they're trying to figure out plans. And, you know, they got a section for a coffee shop and a bookstore, you know, because every church has a coffee shop and a bookstore. And he's praying, he goes, man, what are we supposed to do? How much are we supposed to do what? And so he asks everybody in leadership, please write down what God, you feel God's leading you to do ministry-wise. Reads through it. No, coffee shop or bookstore. Nobody's called to be in, oh, I want to do a coffee ministry. So, okay. So then he, he opens it up to the whole fellowship. Please, on the offering thing, write down what God's calling you to do if he's laid a ministry on your heart or something. Goes through them. 
No coffee shop or no bookstore. So guess what they didn't build? A coffee shop or a bookstore. But you know what? There's a woman who's a seamstress in the church. There's another person who's a florist. And now they have this big room right next to the sanctuary, which is perfect for half of a wedding. You can do the dinner and food in there. And wow. And guess what? God's been using that church. They offer, hey, you can use our building and facilities for free if you're willing to come sit with a pastor and look at the God's word. And it's been a huge outreach. Wow, could you imagine what happened if they built a coffee shop and a bookstore? Right? Simple thing. What is God calling them to do? That's not normal, right? Oh, you know how many pastors go, oh, that's dangerous. You're going to open that up to the whole community that you're going to do free weddings. What if you get one believer and one of this? And this? We're going to pray and we're going to trust God in each situation, right? What if one gets saved and wasn't? Are you still going to marry him in your church? I mean, you think of all the... Why? They're just obeying God and they're, they're going with it. One thing, read your Bible, pray. Well, pray and then read. You know why? Because when you pray, you ask a question usually, and then you read, and then God answers, and then after you've prayed and you've read, you obey, right? That little, little uh, when I was growing up, you know, the little worship song in, in children's ministry, pray, read your Bible and pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Well, yeah, you got to obey it too. They miss that line somehow, you know? We need to stay and continue to stay in the one thing. This fellowship as a whole, as we continue to move forward in, in the new season, the one thing is going to stay the one thing. I'm not, don't expect me to come up to you and give you a job assignment. That's never what we're going to be here. If there's a need or something, you're available. It's awesome. Me, I was never been a lightning bolt type of guy where God's got to give me a lightning bolt to know I'm going to serve in a ministry. Many times there's a need, it's a quick prayer, and I go, and yeah, there's a couple times I get myself into situations serving where it was bond, what I should have done, helps. But I'll, I'll take those over sitting there and contemplating, you know, you know, somebody came to me and needed help moving this weekend, and so I've been praying about that for a year and a half. And they'll probably be ready to move soon again. I mean, <laughs> you kind of sit there sometimes. It's like, okay, there's a need. We're going to meet it, you know. Sometimes those things go quick. But, you know, if you're that type of person, God will answer you. I've seen it. The process take a while. You know, I loved Mike Markovich when he came, and I was filling in doing high school, junior high, and I keep looking at him going, hey, how's it going? What are you feeling? And this and this and this. And I finally said, hey, I don't want to speak into your life or anything, but has God told you yet you're supposed to be doing junior high and high school? You know I'm just filling this position until you're here, right? He goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure I still got to pray about it. So three months later, he goes, yeah, I think you're right. Okay. It wasn't about me being right. No, I think God called you. And I was just wondering if uh, I want to just make sure you knew that I wasn't going to be somehow upset. I was totally good with what God was doing with that, you know. Make sure it was clear this position isn't permanent. So if you're here and you're serving in a place and you go, man, this is just not where I should be serving. I have no joy and peace in that. Talk to me sooner than later. Don't wait. Don't wait months. I don't, I don't think there's, I don't believe there's anybody really here in that church doing that. But if that's you, do not be, there's nothing wrong with going, you know what? I don't know if I have, I think my calling's changed. I think the direction I was going, maybe something's going on. And nonetheless, I have had this crazy ideal. I thought about doing this ministry. It seems nuts. I'm a seamstress. How can I use that in the church? 
You know, it's odd. I mean, you, you think of the ministries that God has used greatly is, is how he leads and how he provides. That's what we need as a church, and that's what we're going to do going forward. It's awesome that as we come up and we look at next week as we come into it here, the next portion of Scripture we're hitting is on prayer. How do you figure out the one thing? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. How do we pray? Asking for his heart, asking for his direction. And it's, it's kind of called the, you know, Jesus' prayer here in a sense, and I don't think it's very much that at all. It's Jesus' example to us on how we should pray, how we should seek him, and we'll be doing that throughout the week. And that's where, if you've been here for a while, or if you're new or anything else, and as we move forward in a ministry, in this ministry and what God's called us to, the harvest field, the opportunities are many, and it's not a burden. There is an amazing harvest field that God's laid out and that's available to this fellowship and things we're praying about and, and open doors, um, doors that we've been, been praying about opening for two years sometimes, and now they're starting to, the hinges are creaking, the door's starting to go open, you're going, God, is this, this going all the way open where we're supposed to run through this one yet or not? You know? But the main thing of what this fellowship needs and what God's going to do here is not numbers, it's not people, it's not, you know, what's God's best for this fellowship? One thing. That's the main desire. If you come up here and you go, okay, as a, as a pastor, there's a burden and you care for the sheep, you care for, not the sheep, the family, the brothers and sisters in Christ. What's the most important thing? One thing is you guys are willing to sit at Jesus' feet. If there's anything your, your pastor could ever ask you to do in a way you could serve or the best way you could help him or help his family or be a blessing is that. Just sit at Jesus' feet. The best thing I can do for you guys is sit at Jesus' feet. Be faithful to sit at Jesus' feet. And then we can sit back and watch what he does and be blown away by it. And we will know it was him. Why? Because we sat at his feet and we knew it was nothing, you know. There isn't, you know how many, what's crazy is somehow on Facebook, I've been, I, they must have figured out I'm a pastor somehow, suddenly. I get all these ads, at 20 ways to increase your growth, how to get past that 300 member limit, how to become a mega church and I'm getting a constant, all these departments like, man, I mean, we can teach you how to <laughs> increase your tithing by 10%. Okay. You know, I, all these things, what, what's needed? One thing. And it's not one thing for the church. If you have that one thing first in your life, it's going to benefit the church. If you're in relationship with God and you're meeting with him, you're going to know your, his heart. You're going to know his heart for you. You're going to know his heart for the church. And even, you know what? You could be sitting here, you could open up the word of God and you can get in it and you go, wow, this is the one thing God's calling me to do. And it's not here. Do you know that? God might be moving you somewhere else. As much as I'd hate to see that, that's very possible. But if God is moving you to go somewhere else, go, please, don't be here. Because you know what happens if you stay here and you're not supposed to? Now you're bitter. and well, I, I know. We'll have to talk. No. 
<laughs> Keep the one thing the one thing. But what an awesome thing is that? That God, out of all the Scripture, all the Old Testament commandments, His whole word, He goes, what? There's one thing I want. I want you to sit at my feet. I want you to love me with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, whole body. And then that starts to translate to loving your neighbor as yourself, doesn't it? Suddenly you start to be around his heart and suddenly you start to have a burden for things you didn't have. You see things differently. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for you. That you are our one thing, that you can be our sole focus. That there is never such a thing as not being a love with you. That that would be ever too much or too less, God, that you are it. Help us just have a desire to sit at your feet each and every day. That we would lay aside the distractions, the worry, the burdens of this world, of the things we create, and that we would just focus on you, Father, and what you have for us. Help us to hear your voice each and every day. Spirit, just fill us afresh. Help us to be people that love you so much that people ask what's going on and we can just point them to you. We thank you so much for who you are, Lord. Amen.